And welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It is akin to brainstorming a fan fiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she her pronouns. And I am the law librarian. This week, we have a guest who has brought new law to this podcast, according to their hint. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chris, pronouns he, him. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyQuest. And, uh, yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> you were. You did a Camelot. I think you did one of our many Camelots. Yes, Avalon High. <laughs> so, what what brings what brings it back? So, speaking of Camelot, no, just kidding. Um, in <laughs> all honesty, I was originally going to posit my idea for Dragon Booster, but looking at the lore on the Wikia, I realized that they already had everything they needed. They just need to actually finish the story. Kill us, Dragon Booster Academy, you cowards! <laughs> Sorry, I had to get out of my systems. So instead, I decided to switch focus to another CGI show that was on um, Jetix at the time. We're going from Dragon City to Progress City, where couriers fight to keep their deliveries out of the evil Mr. Bedlam. And one drop jockey is the best, Ed. I speak of Good Ed. I don't think I've heard of this. Mm, nope, I haven't heard of it. Oh, wow. I, I, is this a first? <laughs> Oh no, there have been many things that have shown up that neither of us know about. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh wow. Um, Get Ed follows the story set in a place called Progress City. Um, it follows the reactions of a courier who is, and I quote, electro-enhanced. Um, he was genetically created by someone named Old School who is into skateboarding and his room features a heavy Japanese aesthetic or at the very least Asian and he also has a bunch of friends there's Burns, Dietz Liz um, and I can't remember the last one's name but he also has a puppet, hand puppet on his arm named Dr. Pinch so yeah and it was also like Mr. Bedlam would kind of steal packages from you and he would destroy businesses in the city there was a whole episode where he was data mining by going through people's garbage, which was the thing. Okay. And yeah, that was Get Ed. Um, huh. The reason I want to do a reboot is because at the end of the first and only season, Mr. Bedlam destroyed the city. It was left in ruins. And the mentor character went missing. And so did the supervillain. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, it desperately needed a season two and I never got one. So I decided to let's just reboot it. So, we're going to get that lore. All right. <laughs> um, we start with the apocalypse. Okay. Love it. <laughs> we're gonna. We're basically going to go. Sort of. Now, please bear in mind that I never actually watched this. I just know things because of pop culture osmosis. But we're kind of going to go. Mad Max-ish, where the world's already going to heck and so-and-so, but we haven't quite reached the warriors duking it out over the roads, but we're getting there, which is where the lore starts. Um, in the aftermath of that apocalypse, because I haven't decided what it is, I just know it's not um, the rupture of the zombies, we have survivors sort of eking it out, and 
this previous systems aren't exactly working that great. People really want electricity back, but we're only having so much luck. Um, one of the few things that is functioning perfectly, though, is the radio. And some individuals, in fiddling with the radio, they hear something through the static. Because in the original Get Ed, that was a thing where if you just listen to the static and focused, you could do some amazing things. So, of course, that might just be due to Ed, because Ed's the main character and he has superpowers. But anyways, um, yeah. So listening to the static, some of the people who are listening sort of follow the instructions. And courtesy of either aliens or mystical beings, we're still not sure which. They all kind of meet up and gather and they discover some technology and some energy sources that, when processed, might not last very long, at least not until it gets hooked up, but it will basically restore electricity and it helps, will help us rebuild civilization. And these creators will sort of band together and form what would eventually become Progress City. And either the creators or their descendants will be part of the. Well, I suppose push towards progress would be a good term for it. Um, I know I want one of the creators to be old school, and I know I want one of the other ones to be Mr. Bedlam, but I don't really know much beyond that. Because during said time, some of the creators could go their separate ways where they could be doing other things across the globe, trying to do for it what they've done for Progress City, and so on and so forth. And I also know that during this time, old school will discover the artifact that taught him how to build it to create ed because ed was uh he was born in a test tube more or less as i understand it huh so that's a thing and old school kind of kept a secret from some of the uh founders of progress city but not all of them because mr bedlam was already going to the bad and um some of the others were crazy one of them was a clown because in get ed one of the rival groups that tries to steal packages from is a literally a team of clowns Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got, gotta get those monster clowns in there somewhere. And another group was a group of delivery men who were wearing green jackets and had a whole uniform. They look like old school milkmen, if that makes any sense. And uh, they're synthoclones. They collapse in the goo. Often. Huh. They go, thank you for your business. And then sploosh. <laughs> so yeah, I plan to have the founders of... um those two groups also be part of the creators. So you can imagine why old school might decide to keep it from certain individuals among the group. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, Mr. Bedlam finds out and he actually decides to keep it to himself, but he's more interested in it because it could be power and more importantly, immortality, which he decided is going to be a thing with him. And yeah, so we're basically willing to follow a bit of the premise of the show after that. Only I also want to expand a bit more because later on we found out Ed had this big super destiny as I want to say Superman esque ish character or at the very or maybe mm, what's the Marvel superhero with the power of a thousand sort of exploding suns that can do a bunch of things I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The Sentinel. Sorry, the power to do what? He had the power of a thousand and exploding suns, whatever that meant. I don't... I have no idea which one that is. Mm. Slugma, the Pokemon. (laughs) Marvel, a thousand exploding suns. The Sentry, oh, that guy. Oh, the Sentry's a mess. You don't want to bring a Sentry homage in. I'm just just using him as the base. Like, 
Like, absolute power, he had telekinesis, super jumping, extreme durability, the full nine yards. So I'm just, I'm just grasping for a template here. But if you can name a better one, by all means, pitch it. Just, just, I mean, I don't know any specifics, but you can just say your classic flying brick. It's just, you bring up the sentry, and I immediately cringe a little, because sentry is already a tangled web of, like, five different homages stacked on top of each other, and let's hope no one notices. I only know so much about the sentry because apparently he's someone who could go toe-to-toe with the Hulk, and he was in an Avengers run that I read for a little while. Um, anyways, let's circle back to Good Ed. Okay. <laughs> Following the course of the show, Ed and his company would discover... That there are places throughout the city where more alien artifacts are hidden and a bunch of other weird, mysterious things. And I want to explore that. Like, I want them to be going along and I want them to stumble into a place and they're like, uh, this isn't part of any district I know and the others will be all the same. And they'll explore it and they'll discover an alien artifact that will help get Ed a new power because he once picked up an orb that gave him a special type of vision that allows him to read alien writing and, like, look at the world with different eyes. But I just don't want this to be just about Ed. Because later on, like I said, when they discovered he had some sort of super destiny, his friends and teachers, they were also all given titles. Burns was given the title The Warrior. Deeth was given the title The Dreamer. Uh, Fizz. Oh, her name was Fizz, not Liz. Whoops. Fizz was given The Genius. And the final person whose name I couldn't remember earlier, but who had the puppet on his hand, was named Loogie, was named the Jokester, and Old School was given the title, the Teacher. So I want to give them a bit of lore, because I feel like they were kind of just there. Oh wait, no, Fizz was named the Builder. Blech, sorry. You think I'd get better at this? Um, okay. So we'll give Ed his device that he picked up called the Slammer, um... And so that way we can focus on his title as the protector and what that means. But we'll also give the others, like, arcs too. For example, Burns the Warrior, we only saw him doing, like, some real brawling, like, right at the end of the finale when the, everyone was in a rush to get the keys. Um, so I want to give Burns a flaming sword. Okay. Because because he has a flame motif. So, so what are these characters like in the show? Because... I, I feel like we're kind of speed writing into your vision of of what the reboot would be. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the original was. Mm. Uh, well, for starters, Burns was, well, to be blunt about this, he was the only black character ever seen on the show. He rode a okay. one-wheeled motorcycle. Um, yeah, we have hover technology in this world, so yeah, that's a thing. I mean, that seems like small beans compared to all the other stuff that seems to be popping up. Right. Like I said, this is very futuristic, but there's also, like, gaps. He was the unofficial leader of the group, and he is pretty harsh. And he... I don't really know what else to say beyond that. Then we get to Fizz, who is very much the brains of the group. She builds a lot of technology. She rides a hover moped, sort of. Or at the very least, a hover scooter. Um... Loogie is, he's the jokester, he's the comedian. His vehicle is a pair of rocket-powered inline skates. Okay. Nice. Uh, there's Old School, the teacher, whose main thing, he uses a normal skateboard, but he also, in another episode, he rode a giant hover car. Then there's Deet's, um, her vehicle was a handheld jet glider backpack, and she's also a bit of a, she's into making, she's, she was pink. Her whole thing was that she her hair was pink, her clothes were pink, and she was in the fashion and looking pretty, and she was sort of Ed's love interest, or at least there was a few episodes where that was implied. Though, really, in the, in the um, show's opening, you get the impression that she's more 
older sister to little brother. But anyways, there's that. So, yeah, that's our group. Okay. So circling back to giving the others plot relevancy, I want to... Okay, I did Burns. We'll move on to Fizz. Um, I kind of want to do a bit of a character arc with her. I want to give her... For her alien artifact, I want to give her the sort of omni tool that could literally be anything she needs it to be to help her build stuff. But I also want to do a character arc with her because her parents are... Her parents were also among the founders. That's a thing. I plan to have um, all the main characters be like descendants of the founders of Progress City. And she's where I have her debate about um, going off to join them in uh, their efforts elsewhere or not. Because uh, we never saw any of the parents in the actual show. <laughs> Old school was about as close as we got. That tends to happen, though, because if, if it's a show for kids, they're not going to care about the parents unless they're plot relevant. Speaking of... the creators think. Speaking of plot relevancy, I also plan to do something similar with Teeth, because guess what? Her original name was Sarah, and she used to work for Mr. Budlin because he was holding her parents hostage. Is that in the original or in yours? Yes, that is, that's in the original. And I plan... Oh, nice. And I plan and for us to keep that because I want to do a character art with Deets. It's about having to deal with the fact that Mr. Budlin may or may not have captured her parents again. And yeah. Yeah, we'd, we'd have to because it sounds like... It sounds like so much of the actual character development that you're talking about is something you've had to create. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to figure out what this show is. Is it, like, just action sequences and Ed zooming around town? Something like that. I wish I had better words to describe this to you, but I don't. Um, and getting into Dietz's thing, um, I decided for her, since her title is a dreamer, we're going to make her an oracle and we're going to give her prophetic dreams of the future. And during the run-up to the finale, we're going to have a bunch of dark, like, flaming city dreams and so on and so forth. But we're also going to give her a robot, giant robotic pet because during the finale, she discovered a robotic pet that she dreamed up. So we're going to give her a robo-doggo. Mascot. 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 <laughs> Which brings us to Lugie, the Joker. What do you think we should give him for an alien artifact? Because he's the wacky teen comedian. During the finale when he needed to get his key thing he basically just did a gigantic disco dance that made no sense and it was nonsense give him an air horn a supersonic air horn that he blasts at his friends and also enemies yep and whether or not it's destructive or harmful depends on his intent mm. pretty much okay that works um so with all these character arcs and so on and so forth we also are going to get into why uh, couriers would be important in the city. Now, the new resource that helps electricity run and keeps everything going fine is great, but it also has the drawback of if it needs to be assembled one place and then it needs to be dragged to another rather quickly. And space was a thing at the time because Progress City has multiple levels to it. The city was not planned out very well. It kind of just grew and grew on top of itself, a bit like Sharon from Emberon. So, yeah, couriers need to get the MacGuffin from point A to point B in a hurry. And these things can be worth a lot of money because, like I said, Mr. Bellum is a strange business and he's not the only one. People are stealing from each other constantly and it's a bit of a mess. So that's why couriers are needed. Um, should we introduce some more villains besides Mr. Bedlam's? Because while we do have the crew, other, like, courier crews, we don't have much else beyond that. Yeah, we definitely, well, you mentioned two career crews that you would like to also be involved in the founding of the city, and those definitely seem like 
good like people to put in the rogues gallery just for like weekly episodes and then also depending on how things go they can end up throwing their law in with bedlam or bedlam can take them out so that he has less competition or they could even pull a face turn and team up with get ed and friends yeah i'm imagining that the the, the milkman clones are all clones of the same guy and that one they guy are. is the founder um the milkman clones what well, their real name is dna deliveries it's pretty on the nose, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then, but this isn't just, well, I know I'm the driving force behind this, but why don't you guys come up with some uh, courier, other courier groups? Roller Derby Girls. Yes. Sure. They're not involved in the founding. They just dress like punk girls and violently deliver whatever you need. <laughs> yes. Yes, I like this idea. Do we want them um, to be crushed on? Not like crushed or anything and smashed with the fest. I mean, do we want some of the cats have crushes on them? Uh, Lugi, ha- Lugi has a crush on the main girl, but she is a butch lesbian. Uh, and then it'll turn out that she was. Oh, who's who's the girl whose parents are kidnapped? Um, Deets. It'll turn out that she's actually Deets's ex. <laughs> okay, Lindsay, do you have an idea for another courier group? Uh, let's see. Roller derby. Something with... Maybe something involving a roller rink? Like, a little more, I guess, going off the whole old school thing. Like, the older style of roller skates, almost like... A roller disco? Yeah, maybe like a roller disco. Um, because the other thing I was thinking was, like, the drive-in restaurants where, like, you would have the, the waitresses come out on their roller skates... Oh yeah, this is this this is like the ultimate form of Uber Eats. Yeah. <laughs> it's just waitresses blasting across town on rocket powered roller skates. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. And... It's no, it's Sundry Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and here's another courier grip I have in mind. Uh ninjas, just ninjas. They zoom around on um jetpacks and they steal stuff. So we have our... Okay, so yes, we're going to have a few just stories where it's just the couriers competing with each other. Because there has been an episode where they needed to deliver a miniature son to a factory, and they had to deal with just that. Just just delivering a mattress? No, a miniature son. Oh. Oh, I heard mattress for some reason. Mm. <laughs> So yes, we're, so in between the Mystical Destiny stuff and dealing with Bedlam, because the two don't have to be mutually exclusive, we can have a whole arc where we're doing the Mr. Bedlam is scanning everyone's trash and we need to deal with the factory thing. We can have arcs with just the couriers waging war with each other as they race to deliver stuff throughout the city and get money and so on and so forth. We can have the group like improving martial arts and having that be a whole thing of studying and practicing and so on and so forth. But overall, we're also going to ask what happened with the apocalypse and, more importantly, where did Ed come from? Which brings me to another character on the show called DJ Dive, a radio show host that knows everything going on in the city, who even knows what Mr. Bedlam is up to. And she sounds like someone called the Caretaker, who was the one responsible for hiding all the alien objects in Progress City and is the one who basically guided the old school with Ed and gave him an Ed basically guidance um so they both sound dissimilar and 
in my reboot, I'm just going to have them be the same person. We're just going to have this mysterious radio show host who's broadcasting throughout the city and who secretly nudges Ed and the others in the right direction. Neat. I do like that. Now, do we want the Dr. Frankenstein-esque character from the future to show back up again or no? I don't think you mentioned them before. <laughs> yeah, there was a Dr. Frankenstein-esque character who kind of had a bit of a Hulk syndrome thing going on. He showed up like halfway through the season, giving the character some guidance, and then he didn't show up till right before the end when he was asked for help during Mr. Bedlam's takeover apocalypse thing. I think if we're going to do that, maybe do it in a later season, because it sounds like the original finale was just doing everything all at once. Yeah, kind of we don't one. We don't need a fire on all cylinders right from the get-go, necessarily. Okay, Um, speaking of season, do we want to make this a comic book, a graphic novel again, or do we want to make this a cartoon? I've been picturing it as a cartoon. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep it a cartoon then. CGI or 2D? I'm fine with either of them. Like, obviously it was made with 3D in mind. Okay. But you could easily switch it to a very dynamic style of 2D, like something akin to, I don't know, take your pick of anime-esque shows that aired around that time. A Teen Titans, if you will. Okay. So if this is basically going into two seasons, and since we're going to um cover that, how should season one end? Should it end with the kids being united and each of them starting to really come into their power somehow? Like, should there be some sort of big confrontation, or what do you think? Hmm, I th- You know what, actually? Maybe they shouldn't start finding their own individual stuff until the second season. And so the first season, we, like, we just focus on Ed becoming part of the team and, like, the delivery stuff. Maybe they do find some of the artifacts, but they don't realize their individual connections with them yet, and we can just focus on, like, the antics of, like, going against the other delivery squads. And then the season finale is, like, when Bedlam makes his big play, they realize that they can't do it alone, and they, like, call upon the help of some of the other squads. And then the second season, that can be when they realize, oh, we're, like, all a part of this. There's all these alien artifacts that, for whatever reason, work the best for us, and we can use these to stop Bedlam okay. from whatever he's doing. So season two, episode one would be when they realize their titles and they realize what's going on, and season two would be just about waging war with Mr. Bedlam, who only has the DNA clones and some robots to help him now, because everyone's kind of trying to tank his business, but they're having a hard time with it. I don't know, the, clown, the clowns may have aligned with Bedlam. <laughs> okay, that's fine, but... Everyone's having a hard time dealing with Mother Bedlam because evil corporation overlord. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's season one and that's season two. Um, in the finale of the original Get Ed, Mr. Bedlam, um, he genetically, like, he stole Ed's genetic schematics basically so much. And one of his men is like, let me guess, you're going to create your own Ed when they were looking over the data. And Mr. Bedlam says, I'm not going to do something so predictable. I'm going to become Ed instead. And he literally turned into a dark red version because Ed's color was blue, obviously, of Ed, who basically could do everything Ed could do, only he was, like, better. He was... He took Sith Lord to the extreme, in my head. Oh! That... Whoa, that's... (laughs) That's messed up, Dr. Bedlam. Yeah, it was... It was something. So... My idea is to be a little bit less uh, with it by no, I, I, hey, that's 
That it's messed up, but I like it. I like it when villains do fucked up shit. <laughs> you can get into a lot of like mental stuff with the fact that oh, now the villain looks just like me and has all of my powers. Mm. Yeah, that was pretty much the finale. It's. I think that's a really good story element that we can use. Okay. So, season two will be them waging war. Bedlam will get his hands on Ed's DNA and begin the process of turning himself into Ed. And, okay, yeah, that'll be season two with them discovering their powers and basically a war against Bedlam. Now, during the finale, do we want Mr. Bedlam and Old School to vanish into the void again? Yeah, I think this... Because that's what they did in the original season. This is a good time for them to vanish into the void and then your time Frankenstein. Your Frankentime, if you will. That's when he shows up. His name is Dr. Hong. An elderly cyborg scientist with control over nanobots who was sent back in time by, Mr. by the future Bedlam to destroy Ed. He is feared by many citizens of Progress City due to his appearance, common experiments. Seriously, he lives in Dracula's mansion. <laughs> I'm not joking. He basically lives in this gigantic dark red mansion. Okay. Cool. Mm. I mean, might as well commit to the aesthetic. Okay, so season three will be about the gang trying to search for um, old school. And, um, they'll meet Mr. Hong, who decides to pick up where Bedlam left off and trying to get rid of the gang. So, we'll have them use nanobots to, like, take over technology of parts of the city and try to deal with them. Because at one point, Mr. Bedlam created a genetic um, dinosaur and he set, and did chasing after Ed. It was a giant T-Rex. Nice. Like, stomping down city roads. So we can do that. So that'll be the majority of season three. But during this, we'll also go into more of the, uh, okay, aliens placed this here in Progress City and no one noticed, apparently, I guess. Another thing you said earlier, um, you said you weren't sure where all the other founders went, but maybe they went out into the world to try and, like, restore other cities the way they did Progress City. So that could be another element of season three, like a world tour arc. Yeah, I wanted to explore more of... Progress City's, well, history. So yeah, that will be season three, and during that, uh, in the build-up to the finale, we'll finally figure out, we'll get uh, his parents to help them figure out what happened with old school, and we'll put all the pieces together, and Jesus' parents will help program the machine, and they get old school back. But oh no, Mr. Bedlam's come back as well, oh no. Unfortunately, everyone kind of was prepared for this, so in the build-up to getting old school back and all the prep work being done, we'll also gun everyone together, and... Well, basically, I've gotten to an army ready, and Dr. Hong will have already been taken care of by that point. Um, and the group kind of just, through the power of friendship and through the power of having a fucking army, pardon my French, we basically just crush Bedlam, and it's a bright future, and progress will be, continue to be made for the cities of the world. And yay. And then meanwhile, in the radio show house lair, a shining being, a shining being will be like, excellent, and she'll like press some buttons on a computer and computer and alien languages will pop up and she says we can proceed to phase two with saving our worlds and that'll kind of be the end and if we want to do season four we can do alien stuff but that's kind of where i pictured ending it cool okay so what do you think yeah i, th I think we figured out a way to make the whole thing come together do some fun stuff with it more lore <laughs> We gave it lore. It sounds like it, though, the original show had zero lore. They were just like, hey, what if what if there is a kid named Ed and they had to get him? And that was their entire basis. And any other cool stuff seems to have happen by accident on the show. 
Yeah, that was pretty much it. I think it's all on YouTube if you want to check it out. But yeah, there was a lot of gaps in the story that really needed to be filled, including, again, the mentor and the main villain went ending and it's how the city was in ruins at the end of season one. They needed a season two desperately. Yeah. Oh, you know why the first season fina- the first season finale was also the series finale? It's because the creator Andy Knight died of a stroke during production. Oh my god. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know that actually. Whoops. I was I was checking to see like I was thinking this is either a show where they were just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick or they got absolutely screwed by like executive interference. But no, yeah, the creator passed away. Ooh. Whoops. Okay, well, Andy, oh, the, 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 that guy made Ned's Newt and Pig City. Oh, really? Darn. You guys, you guys didn't know what Get Ed was, but you guys know his other stuff? Yeah, because Ned's Newt and Pig City are like Canadian staples. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay then. <laughs> yeah, n- well, Ned's Newt was all over Teletoon. Yeah, we didn't get actual Jetix. We got like... Every American cartoon was passed through three different layers of, like, licensing, redistributions, and stuff. I was watching Digimon on the Family Channel. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, things get weird up here in Canada. Um, alright then. But yeah, Andy, if you're listening, I hope you appreciate what we created with the show you managed to put out. Yeah. Alright, so, uh, now that we've figured out what we're going to do with this show, I think it's about time we hop on our flying electric scooters and zip on down to your friendship promo. Can animals survive in space? Where do astronauts go to the bathroom? Is Pluto a planet? Is the moon really made of cheese? Hi, I'm Brian Holden. And I'm Meredith Stepien. And we're going to answer all of these questions and more on our brand new show, Reach, a space podcast for kids. Built for kids and based on questions from kids, Reach will feature fun interviews and stories, as well as experiments you can do at home in association with experts and thought partners from leading institutions like the Adler Planetarium and many, many more. The first season of Reach begins June 16th, 2020. Make sure you subscribe to Reach, a space podcast for kids, now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Soundsington Media! Hey Meredith, did you know that space is completely silent? I did not know that. Now you do. Alright, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and telling us about apparently Jetix's first cartoon ever. (laughs) Thanks, and thanks for having me. Sorry, I know this episode was a little bit of a mess. Uh, hey, if you listen to our podcast at all, you know that being a bit of a mess has been the name of the game for the past, like, eight months. So where can you be found on the internet? I am Crest. Again, my pronouns are he, him. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyCrest and just the word Crest on Pillowfort. I am Dungeon Master and producer of Many Stories, Many Games, a tabletop variety show that's primarily D&D based, but we also do um, some solo journaling tabletop games. And I hope to do other things in the future. You can find us on Twitter at ManyStorgaPod. And, yeah. Awesome. And Lindsay, how about yourself? Um, I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. It's 
Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced... I'm going to edit in some, like, clown horns here. You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your, I guess, hovercraft-based uh, delivery services. And that is also where you can send us a French show promo, whether it's an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, I'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others in the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. As always, our cover art is done by Alex Fierce, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info was available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sultal, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. And... Uh, the table talk, I have no idea what we're doing next week. So honestly, I think we just wait until we do know and record that later. <laughs> okay. And just fast forward directly to the part where I say, And uh, Crest, thank you again for being here as part of our, what is this now, seventh guest in the past two months? Yep. Thank you for having me. Honestly, very glad we could fit you in. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, so for our listeners, we'll see you next time, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Bye.